Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if you got me clearing my throat just the end of the at the end of the opening there. Way to go. Nice way to ruin the intro there, Rabbi. Way to go. How you doing, Liron? How's your I'm weekend? Good. I'm good. I'm doing good. Had a good weekend. Yeah. Had the kids this weekend. What happened this weekend? Uh, it started with uh, the annual holiday at the park mm-hmm. that we went to in Burbank, which was that? super fun. Um, they block off the entire street in Burbank and bring all these different vendors and all the stores stay open late. And um, they do, they have Santa and the temple was there with the booth too. The temple was there on Friday night? The temple was there. Oh, were they leading services? Oh, you well, yeah, know, I added them. No, they were just there. There were representatives from the board and they were there and they were giving out stuff and, you know, it was, it was good oh, to have representation. Really nice. They had their big Star of David's everywhere. And... Oh, wow. That's actually a really good thing to be seen in public at yeah. this point, right? Yeah, it's it was good, the most community. lovely event. It was just yeah. community. It wasn't about, you know, and it was just, you see the whole, you see all the neighbors. It was really fun. I think I had a friend who was talking about this. My friend, uh, Larry, is a business owner in Burbank. He owns Blast from the Past, which is this wonderful, like, novelty and comic book yeah, it's... place for like all these wonderful pop and toy icons. It's fantastic. Maybe we should get him to try to sponsor if you're listening, Larry. And I certainly hope you are, but not that you'd have any reason to because you're not Jewish nor are you divorced. So I don't want to. Wait, but... wait, wait, wait. I know his wife. His wife is Kathy, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know Kathy oh, wow. when I was working at the chamber. Oh. Yeah. I think this might be uh, in the history of Jewish history, friends, the first recorded his- uh, evidence of Jewish geography that involves and is requiring two non-Jews wow. at the center of it. We've made history for There sure. you go. Let it be noted in the Jewish Guinness Book World Records. Yes. This is the first Jewish non-Jewish game of Jewish geography ever played and won. I, I love it. All right. I love it. Duly noted. <laughs> That's a powerful weekend already. Yeah, so we did that. And then I actually had a really great, earlier that morning, I did this um, coffee and coaching. I did an event for the solo moms. And um, it was amazing. And it was really. Single moms group. Yeah. Yep. Burbank solo mommies. Uh, But we're going to be opening up in other cities too. Really? You're expanding. Expanding because it's really taking, it's really, people are really liking it. Tell us more. So we did this coffee, and the topic was about the holidays and about being alone for the holidays and if whether you it was your first holiday season on your own where your kids are with their their um, father, or if it's the first time you're doing it without him. You know, it's it was just such an interesting conversation. And the best part where I felt like I did my mitzvah, there were a couple moms that were talking about. Uh, they didn't have, uh, they're going to be alone for Thanksgiving the first time and didn't really know what to do with themselves. And so they're going to get together and go on a hike. That's really wonderful. Yeah. But the biggest thing that came out of it was talking about new traditions and yeah. that if you're the kind of person that loves traditions and yeah. you do the same thing every year and you feel like you should continue that when, after a divorce, yeah. but um, it's actually, then you kind of miss the other person. It sometimes can work it's against you. It's to the holidays. You have a tendency of thinking like, oh, these are the holidays and it's the biggest time of year and I need to and put all used my energy to doing into it. making it special, right? Yeah. That's what it is. And I'm used to making it special and then it feels different. This is all part of the grief process of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I we, think we just want to let kids. people know we have a guest coming up too. Yes. Let's just tease you a little bit with that. Shani Saban, sorry, I need to be looking at my notes. Shani Saban is a wonderful uh, person and human being who's joining us as a guest to talk about her divorce and real estate. But back to this idea of, you know, you need to have, what were we talking about? I was saying, I think it's really cool opportunity to create new traditions yes, and holidays. include your kids. Yes. So like one of the first years we did... Um, we had our first, what was it? I think it was, I don't know. I don't even remember what holiday it was. But anyways, we talked about what do you like from the holiday? What what can we do without? We kind of created our own traditions. Yes, yes. So including the kids is cool. See, I, I, so my ex got Thanksgiving in the settlement and I have Jewish holiday, a lot of the Jewish holidays, obviously things like Hanukkah and Passover. We she has every Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. She has every Thanksgiving. But we also, we're very friendly about it. Like if it's my time, she won't necessarily... Right, require that she takes the boys, even though that she can, which is very generous of her. Um, but nonetheless, you know, and I'm like that with the Jewish holidays, right? I won't require that I take the boys, and so she can have them for Rosh Hashanah if it falls over her time. Fine, that's 
holidays will come around again. Yeah. Right. There are many holidays that will occur. And in some ways, it can be a relief to you not to have to take care of your kids on the holidays because that means you don't have to worry about feeding them and making sure the holidays all set for them. I know, particularly as a rabbi as well, like I love sometimes not having to worry about my kids in the holidays yeah. and like let their mom do it because that's the way the schedule it is. And I need to protect myself during that time. And it feels really good to release from that. But in terms of like what you said about uh, new rituals and things like that and traditions, since my ex has Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, I've developed going to uh, an early Thanksgiving dinner that's going to happen tomorrow night. This is now the second year we're doing it uh, of going to a place and having a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, at all of us together for my men's group. Uh, and so since it's my men's group, I said, look, uh, I would love to invite my boys to come along. And they said, yeah. So now my kids are going to come oh, along. That's awesome. My ex said it was OK, too, even though it's not my day. Right. Because she has them for Thanksgiving, which falls on my day. Right. Technically, in terms of the custody schedule. So we went just kind of in an exchange like that. And it was really nice. And I'm looking forward to taking to them as part of this new tradition. Right. So she can have them on Thanksgiving. That's great, because I've got this whole other thing that I'm doing. Uh, with them, which seems like a really wonderful way to do it, too. So to your point about new rituals and traditions are the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm we're doing something new this year for Thanksgiving. We got invited by our neighbors to go camping. Uh -huh. We're going to use our trailer. They all bring, like, quads and dirt bikes Ooh. and out in the desert. Oh, my gosh. And they, they had all the extra stuff for my boys. And they're like, just come. And we put all the RVs are in a big circle. And we put uh -huh. a big picnic table down the middle uh -huh. and do Thanksgiving. Someone's making a turkey. So I'm oh really God. and my brother and his wife, they go to Hawaii where her family's from. And then it's so this year it ended up being just my parents and my grandparents who are kind of like, eh, it's not a Jewish holiday. We're only doing it's it for a very you. Jewish holiday. They were like oh, da, oh to my friend. Both of them know how much I love Thanksgiving and I always host it. Huh. And so they were kind of like, We go for you. So I said to my mom, Would you care if this year I didn't host Thanksgiving? And she was like, Yes, we want to go away. <laughs> There you she go. There's the relief from it. Again, your parents now, even said it. I don't want to have to worry about my kids and my grandkids. Uh-huh. So I get to, and my grandma also was like, I don't really. Which is something, let me just say, is a fact that we should acknowledge Hakarat Tatov, right? Gratitude, the good that is in the world. Yes. I don't have to plan something for my children. There is goodness here. And I'm going to be camping with all of these expert campers, and I basically get to just sit and chill while my kids are off being taken care of by the community. No, here I am enjoying my, like, Nobel Prize in divorced relationships of uh, figuring out an exchange with my ex that works for the holiday season. It's like a win-win for it everyone is, and yeah. is meaningful and, you know, doesn't leave anyone in tears, but lifts everyone up and you get to go fucking jump over <laughs> dunes and quads and shit and have a nice communal Thanksgiving meal. Well, okay. Enjoy that. Fine. Okay, it was a competition. I won this one. No, but I kind of want to trade mine out now. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, I love what I created, but like, I'm jealous. I'm you should come. Jealous. Maybe I will. By yourself on Thanksgiving. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. But to the topic at hand, right, that we're going to talk about in terms of with our guests is real estate. Let's let's also tease that up a little bit. Too. Yeah. You have like any reflections on real estate and divorce? Because I do. Yeah, I got I got screwed. You think you got screwed? No, I got screwed. Uh huh. Um, it was a typical. He bought the house before we got married, so it wasn't community property. And then I didn't put my name on the. On the lease, I didn't put my name on it when we sold it. Mm -hmm. So when the divorce came around, I really it was not. I had no say. I mean, it was his house, right. so that became an issue. Of I wish I knew. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish I didn't move out and that I bought the house rather than being bought out of the house, and that I used it as a way of like, well, just acquiring some wealth and selling it at a necessary point, and maybe even paying off student loans. I wish like I was if too. The you know kind of mindset of what happens in divorce, which is that the man typically moves out and leaves the house to the you know ex, so that she can be supported in that, right? So that well, she can yeah, and I, I totally get that. That makes a lot it. of sense. It makes so much sense. And I think a lot of the resentment my ex had was that it was his house, and I was the one that was like, "We should sell. We should there sell. It's a new time." There you go. And uh, had we not sold, he would have been living there. He would have had a house to move into right. when we split up. So. Right. Well, I certainly hope that we can relive these moments, um, you know, with compassion, self-compassion to ourselves and not beating ourselves up over the mistakes that we've made, but also gaining new and wonderful wins, uh, insight moving forward with uh, Shani Saban. And helping other people maybe not make the mistakes we did. Exactly. <laughs> 
So we're going to go to commercial, and when we come back, we're going to hear from our wonderful guest, Shanice Saban. Matzah Ball is the nation's number one holiday party and has been for over 37 years. They throw holiday parties on Christmas Eve for Jewish singles in cities all over the country in New York, Los Angeles, Miami, Boca Raton, Boston, and Washington, D.C. For information on tickets, check them out at matzahball.org. And we're back. All right. Well, um, I'm really excited for our guest to meet Shani Savan. Um, Shani has been through a divorce herself. She is born in Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Lives here and um, is a successful realtor. And she has been utilizing her experience in divorce to have that um, unique perspective and empathy towards those that are going through divorce. Uh, which I think is so important because there's all sorts of real estate agents out there that have different agendas and different incentives. And you really, really need someone who is compassionate, especially, I mean, I have women I coach and they need to talk to a realtor and they might break down and cry in the middle of the (laughs) walkthrough. I remember being in my lawyer's office when I was like talking about the divorce in the initial stages when I was still raw and I was like crying there and that, just the feeling in and of, it, of itself, like of crying in that office, couldn't have felt more burdensome to me in the sense that, like, she didn't give a flying fuck <laughs> about how I was feeling. And to her, like, I'm sure she handles a lot of divorces on a regular basis. There might be a lot of guys that break down in her office or women who break down in her office and she's got no emotional, you know, bandwidth for. So she, you know, cavalierly hands you the box of tissues and she hopes that you're okay. But, like, it really helps to have somebody. She's fine. They are on the go. clock. That, that's a really good point. Thank you, thank you, Shani. So yeah, Shani. I was paying for the tears. <laughs> tell us, tell us about your first of all your. Tell us a little about yourself and your journey, kind of in your journey and experience in divorce. Well, um, I three and a half years post. Uh, I have two daughters, six and eight, and yeah, I was I was with him. I was married for fourteen years, so. All of my twenties, half of my thirties, uh, and then you go out into this weird world, you know, COVID, right at the beginning of the divorce, and it was very, very overwhelming. So, you know, at first, everything's a shit show, and you're emotional, and you're all over the place, and you can't think rationally. So, went through that, and then got myself together. I went, okay, I need to, I need to deal with this, like not by myself. I went and I started working with a life coach whom I still go to. And I, you know, I picked myself up and I went from point A with the relationship with him and with the kids and with the surrounding and with dealing with everything. It's a small Jewish community. We know that. So people like to talk and it's usually not for your benefit. So uh, (laughs) we dealt with that. And then I, you know, because of the fact that I've been through it, wanted to help other people who are at that beginning shit show stage and not make irrational decisions or the wrong decisions because they're working through emotion. Just like you said about the attorney, she says, there's no motion because she needs to get it done. Yes. Yeah. But yes. and she was good. Yeah. But I understand the emotion. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't hand you a tissue box and be cold, but, uh, thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't, I might judge you in here. No, <laughs> but so that's kind of been, what I've been focusing on because I feel it's a, my way of helping beyond the help of, of getting the transaction done. Really is a momentous occasion when you think about, you know, you need a, a house might be one of the first things that a married couple does, right? They've saved and saved. And this is like the first major thing that they do as a couple that might bring a lot of stress. And so it means a lot. And it's a big investment that they've put a lot of work into it, you know, real put a personal touch on it. And then they need to sell it for this. Yeah. You- she gets people in the beginning and then yeah. on their way out. Well, a house is usually the biggest purchase you'll ever make. Right. And a uh, home you live in is usually very emotional. Right. Has emotional attachment. And then comes then come these ugly things. Like, well, I've been paying for it. You've been home. Right. I've created this home. What do you mean? And then it, and then it gets oh, where it gets ugly right. and emotional. On a, on a real surface level, what does it take to make a home? It's not only the money you bring it to do it, but it is also the emotion that you put into it to sustain it. 100%. I mean, well, that was, that was what was so frustrating in my situation was at yeah. the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you bought this house before we got married and put the down payment, but I 
made it into a home and we even did remodels while I was there that my dad helped us with. And like, there was a lot of things that I put into the house. So it felt like mine as well, but it's just that, you know, I have a question for you. So were you, um, I love how you're telling us how you were down and you picked yourself up and you went to a life coach, which is so amazing because not everybody knows to really seek out help. Um, were you already working in real estate or was this a new career? Were you working while you were married or? So I have been licensed for 13 years and always did it part time. Uh, my personal reasons at home and, mm. and financially, I couldn't allow myself to do it full time. And then I was home for four years with the kids, which was great, but very, very hard for me because it's not my personality. I enjoyed every minute, but I also felt the resentment of like not contributing how I'm used to contribute, um, which is, I guess, the working mom mentality anyways. And then when things got really bad in the relationship, as soon as the little one is in daycare, got to get her walking, got to get her walking. <laughs> I got to go work. I need to go do something with myself. Maybe me being bitter at home is causing the strain. And then I started working again. So I've been full, full time for the last four years. So and in a way, I, I my mind was kind of like, I'm really unhappy if I choose the route of divorce, which was my last option. I'm never about that either. Um, I need to have a I need to have a way to support myself. So I got into it and then COVID hit and the divorce started. You know, shit hit the fan and everything went to hell in, in the household. And I was like, all right, I am 100% focused right now. And it was probably my best year in real estate. That's really wonderful. I'm so glad you Beautiful. brought up the resentment you talked about, about not contributing in the way that you really wanted to or felt like you should. So interesting how women often feel that sense of shame about it. I think right, a lot of they times, really are already contributing so much. Well, if you worked before you have children and then you stop right. and you kind of also, it's also about, it's also if you're a woman who likes to work and you've always worked and had a career, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to, you know, being a mom is so much work that you can't necessarily do it all in the beginning, right. at least, especially when they're little, but you, you miss it and it's hard and it's, you know, you kind of know you could be doing so much more and you know how much you could be contributing if you just got out there, but you your home with your kids it's I, you know I have friends who the wife works and I have friends <clears throat> who the wife is is a stay-at-home mom and I have and I have friends with who do both I don't know how God mm -hmm. bless them but I think the resentment comes from the partner because if you're being appreciated for being home and the house is always clean the kids you know their homework's done and they're happy and they're going to their after school activities and and there's always a home-cooked meal you're getting that appreciation and not the you know, resentment from the partner, then you don't create a resentment within yourself. Totally. I think most of the resentment that we carry comes from not having a supportive partner in what mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. What'd you do all day? Oh, that sentence. Or coming that. home and being like, why isn't the laundry done? Right. Where's my food? That sort of thing. There, there's a lack of appreciation when people get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you wanted your wife to stay home. Mm. Right. And because now, it took and now care you're of any complaining. Number of yeah. <laughs> so wait, I don't get it. Yeah. And at the same time, I think so it goes typical, both ways, right? I mean, it's um, part of the reason I think men want, enjoy having their wives at home, even if they don't necessarily want it, but maybe enjoy it, is because it does mean a lot of the child rearing falls on that individual. And that also becomes a very emotional job, right? Which is why women also bear the brunt of the emotional labor in the home, which is equally, if not more exhausting than the domestic labor in the home. But I think that's also because men know that like there's a lot of effort they also have to put into the office, which is emotionally draining as well. It's very hard to be a guy to go into the office and to have ideals about things and opinions about what's going on, things that the organization is doing, or even if you agree with what your office is doing in certain ways, right? And can you speak up about that? And if you can't, because you're in danger of losing your job and what that means in terms of how that'll impact your family, well, then there's some amount of emotional restraining, right? And stunting you have to do of yourself to say like, I'm not going to care about that, mm -hmm. right? And so in some ways, work has to be an emotionless thing for men in order to have it and maintain it so that they can be supportive of the family. And so like, 
I think there's like, I really do think there's like equal weight and attention that needs to be paid to the actual appreciation of both partners, particularly if they are in such traditional gender roles. Like if it is that like one partner is just staying home and taking care of the kids and one partner is just going to the office and working, then you really need to recognize what each person is bringing to the table in their own way. But like if one person's also working a full-time job and taking care of the kids and the other person's just working a full-time job, you have to balance that shit out. Yeah. Just necessary. Well, I, I can think of a couple I know where it's like he's working. He's working so hard and he's working so many hours because he right. really wants to provide for his family and they're just starting their family out. And she's like, you're never around. I want to do family things with you and this and that. And that's the issue there. And he's like, well, she likes nice things and they like, you know, they want to go on nice trips. And so he feels like he, you know, it's. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the... that exact scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Well, she likes uh, Amazon's at my door every day and she wants to do this and she wants to do that. But I think people lack the communication. Oh, absolutely. That's where everything well, is. Well, it's really addressing to say that this isn't feasible. You may like these new things and these nice shiny things, but we can't actually continue doing that. Or even having a conversation instead of just saying, maybe in the beginning, the idea of, you know, mom staying home made sense, but you have to check in. What if after four years, you know, you have to check in. What 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 could our life look like and could we manage it if I worked as well? Right. And could you work less and could you do drop-offs in the morning? Like how, I think that the goal, I don't know. I think it only works for certain people to have very clear one stays home and one works, you know? But I think if yeah. the goal could be that both people have their own personal career or anything really even if it's volunteering but if they have something on their own outside of the home it's women are just better mothers in, in general if they have a life outside of the home they don't resent they well say, i think we all oh, are it's resentful of your husband to be like well you're out all day with people right and they're like i wish i was home <laughs> right you're right the grass it's is like greener. it's like how men say grass is greener i could never be a woman and i as a woman, it's it's very hard to be a woman, but I, yeah. I don't know if I could be a man. Like There are so many pressures right. on both sides that you have to step outside yourself and give the other person the credit for what they do. And I feel like that's just a mistake you make the first round. Yeah. Because you grew up with this cookie cutter idea of what marriage is supposed to look like and everything's 50-50 and, that, and you don't accept the fact that it, nothing's 50-50. No. And to your point, I think there's also an assumption that you make as a kid, like you don't really know shit about your parents' relationship until you ask them or really witness it. Like I saw or when you get a divorce. Like I saw I saw my parents fight, right? I saw what arguing was and all that stuff, right? I saw how they resolved it and all that stuff. And there are different dynamics in other people's families. But underneath it all, I don't necessarily know the reasons why they were fighting. From all you determine for that yeah. is that fighting, you know, is normal in relationships. It's how you do it that really matters, right? Contention is just going to be there. Confrontation is going to be there. But, like, I, I don't know what they were arguing about. So a lot of it could have been about the imbalance of what was going on, right? That my father was able to go off working a full-time job but still go off and pursue getting a law degree as a second career. Mm -hmm. My mother was still raising us. And in many cases, working a very tough job and then had to take on a second job and still raising us a lot. I mean, I could see if there was a lot of resentment there, right? But my point is to say that, like, we don't know shit about our parents' relationships. So to assume that, like, everything is naturally 50-50 has got to be some type of, like, fantasy world type of thing. Where did we thing. learn it from? <laughs> I'm sure it's been implanted from pop culture or something or someone saying something like, yeah, we always divide things up or that's or, – or it could just be our own brains as kids going like, yes – the right way to do it is 50-50 and mommy and daddy, they split everything down the middle because they love each other and that's how they do it. It's from shows like Family Ties. Whatever it is. It's whatever it is. You know? That's a great fucking show. Too. Yeah, but remember that family dynamic? Like there, there's so many sitcoms back in the 80s yeah. that had that very nuclear family. I mean, other but than Full House, been... which was very like progressive, right? <laughs> but <laughs> with the three dads or yeah. the three men. Yeah. But even then, I wouldn't have assumed or been able to assume. I, th I would have thought that Danny did all the work alone on Full House, right? I don't know how he had time. Because he had Jesse and Joey. Oh, but he was on a team. I make this argument They're all onto the time something. To they people. had teamwork, three people raising those kids, That's three what I'm kids. Saying. I make this argument all the time to people that, like, in some ways, Full House is a great example, and I love it, but it's, like, misleading. So like, I got divorced. I didn't have any fucking family around, right? They were all on the East Coast. I'm sorry, you wanted to no, say No, no, I was going to say, I'm like, going to go off your Full House thing. Please. Full House reminds us that it does take a village. Yes. Yeah. 
raising kids by yourself, which is what maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's why we've gotten to the point where great you feel guilty saying I'm having a really hard time raising the kids. Mm-hmm. Like I'm juggling everything. How did they do it? And then I think back. I mean, I moved here when I was five. But I think back of, of how people raise their kids in Israel. You knock on the neighbor's door. Can you watch the kids so I can go down to the market? Mm-hmm. And it, it's uh, the community raises the kids yeah. together. And that's nice. why people were able to have six, seven, eight kids back in the, in the days. But <laughs> now we're doing it by ourselves. Being able to put them in the you streets and allow people to pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to schlep them everywhere. You're doing it by yourself in L.A. traffic. In between this and this and this and this, my kids are getting dressed in the car in the back seat to go to right. dance class after school. And yeah. it's expensive. And it's expensive, right. but it used to be the village raised the kids. And grandma and grandpa, you know, they retire earlier now and they, they don't want to deal with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, really my parents are great. My parents saved my, my life. Parents on too, a but daily. they're also like, yeah. Yeah. but I get it. Yeah. We, they did theirs. Better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Better than nothing. Oh, I'm I am constantly so grateful for my family. I, I to be I to be doing this on on your own completely without family around I, is it's very tough. Yeah, um, it's lonely and isolating at times. My family's been really I think as wonderfully supportive as possible, given just geographic distance and whatnot. And whenever we go to see them, it's a really wonderful experience, and they're very kind of understanding of the necessity of the time and the relief I need as well, and being able mm. to go and see friends in that way. But I think you're you're also making a good argument. First of all, I'm seeing you when we talk about this idea of village, right? You know, and raising it, raising a child by a village standard or at least a village culture. The divorce community could really much use a divorce village, right? In which, like, you're supportive of each other in that way. And I think when you apply that lens of like the village atmosphere to caring for people going through divorce, whether they're your peers as adults or your peers' children, right? Your children's friends, children's peers. You, Shani as a real estate agent, are very much like a transition specialist in that way. Because as we talked about the weight of leaving the own home and going to the new one, right, really has a big meaning to it. And so like, I'm curious to you, I'm curious from you, like, what are the spiritual implications from your perspective about like entering a new home, right, once you divorce, leaving, leaving the old home and entering a new one? I believe Buying the the first home or going into a new home after divorce, it's only one step of the new beginning. Because you have to, like you guys were talking about before, new traditions, new way of life. It's that transition into a whole new way of life. So I, I like to also advise people, you were saying how you use the money and, and when and paid off loan. And I, in my perspective, I'd be like, why don't you invest that? Because you're getting a big chunk of of money right now that if you're going to go spread it out you won't have it for the long run put a down payment on something smaller you're just you right now every other weekend or whatever it is but buy something because in the long run you'll be able to pull that equity and do what you need to do later so i like to advise on what you can do with your money obviously if i don't know the answers i bring somebody who does and can help them invest it correctly and just the whole trying to keep it positive because it's it's just very emotional and, and then the anger comes in and I'm just like okay guys let's remember that it wasn't always bad mm-hmm. right. it wasn't always bad you have these beautiful kids you've been through everything so something happened that led to this or over the year but let's keep the love when you bought the home there was love in it yeah so let's end it in the most beautiful way we can and you know a lot of back and forth and I'm constantly stuck in the middle but I don't I'm okay with that it's it's okay think transitioning needs to be yeah a little bit i'm actually finding a lot of women who are struggling with um if they decided to stay in the house if they were able to stay in the house even if it's a rental not as you know and then it's like hard you have to do a lot to make it your own and to not feel like it's still you know you have all the memories from from the fighting or whatever and like that's an interesting i always i kind of think it's if possible, unless it's like a paid off house and you're like, I'm not moving for some reason or it's going to my kids or whatever. But I actually think it's, I really appreciated starting over in a new house. I thought I was going to, I thought it was better originally for me to stay in the house I was at that I was renting. And then I had no choice. A couple of months after he moved out, the landlord, the owner died and the management company's like, we're selling the house. Go find a new place. And I was like, oh, I thought this one was best for the kids. But moving out and starting over in a house that was just ours, that we 
it was really, that was really spiritual. And I say, for all the complaining I do about the patriarchal nature of dating and everything like I did with our first guest, Erica, for this season, um, you know, I wound out, when you came over for that creative powwow as well, right, you said, thank God you're in a house and not in an apartment, right? And I felt that deeply because- I didn't say thank God. I know, you didn't say thank God. I said- but it, you, you said it's great or it's something. It's great it's, that you're, it's, yeah. It's great. I apologize. You, you, you said it's great. I, I didn't know what I was no, walking no, into. But, yeah. But let me also just yeah. say that I appreciated that, right? Because that was kind of the feeling that I was going for is that like, not that an apartment wouldn't be bad. And let me be absolutely clear that like, you make whatever decisions you need to make, right? Financially speaking, when you leave divorce, if you don't have the funds to rent a certain place, you need to find a place that's far more affordable. Yeah. Because this is a long-term game that we're talking about and not the short term, right? So let me just say that. But for me... Right, I felt like I really wanted to be in a house um, that had a yard because I had a dog at the time who could walk. Um, and I had kids also. I wanted them to be able to go outside freely and not necessarily have to worry about things. So I wanted to be in a neighborhood. And I found one that was affordable that I could do that. And that felt like a very good decision. It uh, really did. A hundred percent. I have to say, I was really, I just saw his house for the first time and I was really right. impressed because... Listen, let's be real. I've seen a lot of single dads' houses with all the dating I've been doing, and they're usually like glorified bachelor pads, right? There was one guy that I was dating, and I remember walking in, and he he was in a house, and I saw the lunch boxes lined up and the the school calendar up on the wall, and I was like, oh, my God, I love him. (laughs) He knows what it is to pack a lunch. He's a man. He's a a dad. He's not living in this little (laughs) shitty studio apartment with like a, a, you know, inflatable bed for the kids. Knocking stuff over. My hands are too much. <laughs> Stickily-itting. Anyways, yeah. I. It was a compliment. and Thank you. I appreciate I, that. I think the fact no, that and, you and I, took play, it I wish I, more men should do that. You know, right. real, you picked a place with the kids into consideration. Right. It wasn't like, where do I want to live? And, oh, the kids are going to stay with me. Right. And there's certainly part of the mentality of like, well, they're just going to be here every other week or it's a, a couple waste of, of a, a room. Week. It's a waste of a room. It's extra money. And like, I get that financially speaking, but in the long run, it's a bigger investment is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And that really means so much when you go into it, like the new space that you are creating. Right. Again, a la the divorce kind of transition person as a real estate agent. Right. That's a real significant thing to do. Yeah. I, what would you give? I, I'm really curious because you actually enlightened me. I think I don't know if we were on earlier, but we were talking about community property. Mm-hmm. And you said something that honestly, six, almost six years out of divorce, this is the first time I've heard it, that after 10 years, the house becomes community property. And all I've been hearing was, you know, you want to get divorced, but before 10 years, whoever's making more money probably wants to end the divorce before 10 years. So they're not, you know, they don't have to pay spousal support forever. So um, tell us a little bit about how that works and any kind of tips you have, because if you're in a situation where you think you might, your marriage might be on the rocks, what are some things you should know? An excellent point. So first of all, from what I understood after what I went through, I was married 14 years. So automatically after 10 years, California law, right? Um, spousal support is eternal mm-hmm. until the partner gets married again. Uh, child support is child support. And anything you acquired throughout that marriage becomes community property. So it's it should be 50-50. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, some people... Anything you want to do when it comes to real estate to check out what rights you have and what you don't automatically, if you if you would have called me, I would have gotten my title person on the phone and she would have looked it up and she would have looked at all the documents and she would have been able to tell you what what you are supposed to get out of it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we kind of all work together on it because there could be some document in there which says, sorry, girlfriend, 25 years and you still don't get anything. But there's always a loophole. We can we can try and figure out because you want to be fair at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, the 10 year rule is if it's over 10 years, it's eternal. That's what I call it. It's eternal. So some people yeah. do try to wrap it up before. Um, that's fair or not. Yeah. And it would make know. sense if there was like a drastic income right. difference. But like ours was not even that much. Eternal is a good word for this podcast and talking about this right in a spiritual way. Well, you too. wanted like, a spiritual word. Yeah. It's going on forever. That's what we're talking about. Forever it's eternal. Ever. Um, there's something Lerone brought to my attention too, which is this very cool new thing offered in California. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's the California Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan. Okay. You know about this? I know about it. And if you want me to 
burst everyone's bubble. I would I love, know. please, no, bring us, bring, bring me back to reality because this is very intriguing. Very Let me just let people know what we're talking about. For any, we, we have a lot of listeners in California. By the way, we just as a side note, we need to honor all of our listeners because we're growing internationally. We got listeners in Ireland, which oh. I think is pretty cool. Right, and listeners in Australia, which I think is pretty cool, That's right, cool. and all over the world. And I, I would love it if they reached out to us too, because we would love to have some international episodes here. I think that would be awesome. But anyway, the California Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan is the Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan is a down payment assistance program for first time home buyers to be used in conjunction with the Dream for All conventional, yeah, conventional first mortgage for down payment and or closing costs. Upon sale or transfer of the home, the home buyer repays the original down payment loan plus a share of the appreciation in the value of the home. Right. So burst my bubble. Let's burst your bubble. Because essentially what I'll you're telling me is that they're going to pay bit. 20%. They're going to put your 20% down right. and you don't owe it until you sell the house. Right. And then they're going to tap into the equity on the house though. Sorry? So uh, California, more or less. Let's talk about the LA market because we're our own bubble. Do that. 100% own bubble. Statistics you see have nothing to do with LA. Right. LA, Miami, New York, the big cities, they have their own bubbles. So here, a property, whether things are up or down, they appreciate between 3 and 5% a year. Let's say we had a dip, it went down 4%, the next year, 3 or 5% up, a little dip. So we're always even out somehow, and there's always equity on the house. So this loan would take it away from the, from the sale, plus tap into the equity that you acquired on the house. So if you bought it for 500 and now it's worth 650 you pay back your loan, and they take a chunk from that. 150 you made on it that's part of the deal that's it. part of the deal which is not bad because otherwise you wouldn't be able to have a house at all right it's the down payment that's really helpful but as far as i know the reason why you pay back the down payment is to help for other the next borrower right that's what it is you're putting back into the bank so is what you're telling me is that they're essentially charging interest on the 20 percent that they lent that they loan you for the down payment nothing's yeah no right. free lunch no no i, I think that's fair <laughs> it's still I, I fair though right the only problem that exists that they don't talk about is there's only a certain amount of money allotted to the program and it's usually gone within a week oh the entire program is what you're saying yeah oh, it's probably so this isn't already. like blanket like they open the coffers right so you need to really apply and get in there and see that there's money available you need already. to be ready before and work with a lender and a realtor that will update you okay it's starting in a week are all your documents in are you ready wow. to go and then and then just take it launched in it. November. I think it already. It's... Well, it just says program update was October 26, 2023. That was it says, the Cal HFA board of directors approved the second round of the Dream for All shared appreciation loan program. The October board meeting, we appreciate a release date. We anticipate a release oh. date of the program in early spring of 2024. The official program oh. details are announced coming January. So, so this is what you're saying. You need to prepare for that is what prepare, you're saying. Start looking at properties before the program comes out. Have all your documents in with the lender doing it. Right. And be ready with the property ready to go. So how many people have a house that they want to write an offer on exactly at that time? Exactly. The last, and you're like, I don't have the 20% yet, but I will. Yeah. Exactly. The last round of it, I think they tapped out within 10 days, if I'm wow. not mistaken. Oh, my God. I've got my lenders. How long have they been doing this? I've been doing this for 12 no, how years. How long have they oh, been doing they, it? I think this is the second time. My dad had said he remembered something like this way back in like the 80s or something where they did a thing, a program where they put money down for people's homes. When you think about that, that's such a big chunk of money to give to one person, especially when you think about like the cost, like I just for shits and giggles, I checked out what it was like on Zillow and whatnot and what that would actually look like. If I wanted like a $1.5 million house, which is three bedrooms, two baths. average house, yeah. In Pasadena, right? Admittedly, it's been redecorated, so it's like up to date if they're charging one point. That's what I've noticed, right? But like, that's easy. That's what, 200,000, 250,000, something like that for 20%? 20% down, you're at 300. Yeah, $300,000. That's a lot. That's a lot of money to give to one person. And so- and you're still, your mortgage payments are still gonna be like crazy expensive every month. Like- for a 1.5, yeah. Yeah, even with that 20%. I've, get, I've gotten so frustrated. I'm terrible with the math. My dad's a contractor, right. and if I buy, it has to be a fixer, and I live in Burbank, and if I were to stay in Burbank, the fixers are like 900000 <laughs> Like yeah. It's crazy. I know but, maybe eight. But maybe I will eight. tell you, this is the best time to buy if you're going to buy, because prices are set you know, normally. Let's call them a normal price right. value for LA, and you don't have a lot of competition. Right. So if you can 
wing it for the next six to 12 months of making the payments, the interest rates are going down. The feds have already talked about that. And then you refi and all the lenders are offering a free refi when the time comes. So but when the rates go down, I mean, during COVID, besides the fact that you had to wear masks and booties and all that fun stuff, um, there were lines around the block to see properties. 20, 24 offers mm -hmm. per property because the mm -hmm. interest rates were so low right. and everybody came out of the woodworks. Right. And now that it went up, people are still adjusting to the new normal. So eventually people will have to understand six, seven, eight percent is the new normal. Mm -hmm. It was it used to be 12 percent. And there were times where it was 18 percent. You're saying it's advantageous now because it's going to spike again. Because people's, you know, three years ago, it was in the mid threes. Sure. Did you see a difference in anything because of the strike? Were a lot of people, did that affect um, the housing the market in any way? Yeah. No. I haven't seen it in anything I read, but it affected... Uh, it affected divorces, I'll tell you that. I don't know if it's because I'm really? in Burbank, where all the industry people are and the actors, but I have, I've had quite a few clients that are like, they were on the way to getting a divorce, but now he's not working because he's home and they can't afford, you know, it kind of put a halt on the divorce. And it's like, we survived COVID together and now this strike is ruining it That's, for that's us. funny. huge. It, but it's, more, it's also more... The trickle more, down, I mean, I've seen well, it really affect a lot of my clients. Let's be serious, right? The home situation and leaving the home is enormous when it comes to divorce, right? Yeah. It's not just about property and assets and like, how did you set it all up and eternal, you know, relationship and all the that biggest. stuff and spiritual, right? It's it's about where the fuck are you gonna live, mm -hmm. right? And landing on your feet ultimately. And that is like survival 101. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Basic survival, right? Is where the fuck are you gonna live once you divorce and separate? Yeah, and, and then you're also like, what's best for my kids? And if they go to a certain school and you right. can't just pick up and leave and go to live in a new town that's cheaper, you have, you're bound to the life many times in the city. I mean, I don't know. I've never heard of you had clients where they're like, they both decided to move together to save money. I'd have clients. I had friends. Yeah. Um, I had one friend who um, they were living on the West coast and they got divorced and the husband said, I'm just going to move into the East coast and we should all do that. And at the time she didn't have really any major commitments or things going on. She wanted to transition in her life and she said, okay. Were they originally from the East coast? Both of them? Yeah. Yeah, so that's like going back home and be closer it's to parents right. and it was family. Familiar, yeah, but, that... but they had also built a life for themselves out west, yeah. right? And so... How nice that they both... I mean, if one disagreed, then that's not going to happen. Well, I have to also give it to them in some ways. Like, I think it's spiritually cathartic, too, to, like, leave that all behind, right? Like, yeah, you're divorced, but, like, you're not still living in the same state. Yeah. Right? Forget about the same house, right? It really does allow you to kind of start anew. I don't mind that, you know, because it's like you have to go to the same school and you're seeing the same kids and the same families. It's a lot, you know. They sure. they 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 know what's going on. Oh, you know, mom sitting on that side of the field, dad sitting over there. Like the people in your life and your community it that know you when you were that. married and stay. No, it doesn't change that, but like it it offers well, does does offer something new new, which I think is nice and can also like because they were from the East Coast, put them both back in familiar territory where yeah. they could feel supported. But I like that, that the whole family gets to kind of start over and have new experience yes. and a new community and yes. all of that. And it's not a bad... And for some, still having the same community and the same places to go to is reassuring. Yeah. Right, there are pros and cons to mm -hmm. whether or not you stay in the same town or city that you grew up in. Although, or, or, or although let's in. be real. When you get divorced, I'll speak as a woman. Please. Uh, I'll speak for myself. When you get divorced... You lose a lot of your old life. Your old friends. Yeah. I mean, you're no longer in a couple. You're no longer part of that group of friends anymore who goes on vacation together. or And, and suddenly, you know, here and there, I'll get an invitation. Hey, we're going for the whole weekend to Palm Springs, bring the kids. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the only single one there, which I don't care. But you're kind of excluded from a lot of things. So it's starting all over without the support. Moving to another state, if I didn't need my parents, I would. I, I may, you know, gotten my real estate license in Florida. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's tough. So having a community that supports each other, which is what's been happening lately, a lot of people transitioning into the divorced uh, lifestyle, kind of gotten together in a little support group. We call it a little our little divorce support group. It's wonderful. People who are pre, people who are going through it, people who are post. So it's kind of like, I know what you're going through right now. I know you just want to 
Uh, stick a knife in his eye, but I promise you it's going to pass. Look where I am. Look, remember how I was in the beginning? I was a hot mess. So it's, that's the community. The old life, I don't know. It's sad. I miss him. But my door's open. So I, I realized, too, a yeah. big part was I stopped. I, I didn't, obviously, you stopped getting invited to some couple stuff. or And there were certain friends that I was, like, really bummed because I I found that I was only, I'd only hang out when it was, like, girls' night. or And I was like, I like your husband. He's my friend, too. Like, I want to hang out with him. I was friends with all the husbands. But it was like, instead of getting a sitter, I would go out with just her. I do have one couple that I'm equally friends with both of them. And sometimes it's just like, who wants to go out? And one stays home. And sometimes I'll go out with him. Sometimes I'll go out with her. That's awesome. <laughs> like, that's not very common, for a drink, but that's but it's very not awesome. Common. Yeah. Yeah. But is that funny? No, that's that's really that's wonderful. It's been it, it, Shani, it, It's lovely that you're bringing your own personal perspective and experience in divorce into your professional, right? Which a lot of people wouldn't assume to be that central to divorce, but is, right? And like taking that care with your clients is, uh, I would imagine, a really valuable touch to them. I I hope so. That's the purpose. <laughs> um, I think my per I unfortunately throughout my life have to learn the hard way versus learning from other people's mistakes. And my parents always told me, "Don't learn from your own mistakes. Learn through other people's mistakes." But yeah, I'm a Taurus. I like to be hands on. <laughs> um, but there are people that if you already went through it and you really want to spare, forget them, the kids. As a mom, you know, it hurts. You see the kids going through it. And then when it's ugly, the kids get involved somehow always. And I just try to avoid that by, you know, in, in the end, a realtor is a therapist. We become therapists. We have to hear everything that's been going on and how they feel. And this happened. It has nothing to do with the house. It has nothing to do with the search. It's everything else. And I think that's why I like it because I am a people person and so part of the transition of selling a house is not to make the mistakes that are going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or problems later or you know, get stuck with a house that you can no longer pay for because all these other things came up and the attorney fees and the, the spousal support. And I could go on and on. But well, let me ask you this then. Since you have this wonderful perspective of having gone through it personally and being able to stand at a much better perspective than others and kind of look out and see what other people are going through and work with them through it. What's the best piece of wisdom you think you can give someone, given everything you just said, the pitfalls that you could encounter along the way, the myriad of them, right? Let's say you're standing there with someone and they're about to, you know, embark on this divorce journey, right? As the real estate agent, you know, the pitfalls of heads. What are you telling them? You know what I, I tell uh, my friends also that are going through it? I'm like, I'm just a mirror of the future. Sure. This is where you could be if you go down you're going to go through all the, I went through the crap too. You're going to go through all the emotional stuff, but why don't you look a little bit into the future? Let me guide you and kind of to, to lessen the, the mistakes you'll make. You're going to make mistakes. You need to make the mistakes, but let's help lessen it. So wherever you can't be rational because you're emotional, let me do that. Let me take that on. Let me help you. Right now you're overly emotional. Let, let me be rational and come to you rationally and Bring both parties, of course, to the table. I never favor one over the other. I don't care if I'm a woman and, and I don't care what happened. I, it's irrelevant. Very rational. Things happen. I always remind people, guys, there's a reason you got married. There's a reason you bought the house together. There's a reason you had the kids. Let's not forget that. Let's end it nicely and let's, let's make you both walk away happy at the end of the day. So it's, it's you know, like, let me guide you where you can. Because sometimes we can. How many times I'm just like, even even with friends or or even on a date, where do you want to go? You know what? I don't care. I make decisions from the minute my eyes open. <laughs> just make a decision for me. I I don't want that responsibility. So it kind of goes with with that. You're overly emotional right now, needing to deal with mm -hmm. your new life change. Let's let me be the rational one. That's my job. Mm -hmm. So well, we talked about this in our last episode with Nate. How much you, Nate, how much you learn from divorce and how it it bleeds into your life. Where, from the healing process and just everything you've learned and how it just can make your yourself better in your career and in the choices you make. And so it sounds like you've really... It's funny. I forgot into that. for a while. But we were in the car with a girlfriend of mine who... Because when I 
whatever happened and it, it was like the breaking point of that's it it's done for four and then COVID hit and I was stay at home for four months he stayed at home he stayed on the couch nobody knew nobody knew I didn't tell a single soul that I'm getting divorced that it's over and so on and so forth and only uh, he went to Israel to go be with his parents for a little bit and figure it, figure it out and only then I started telling people so I forgot all the, the rage and everything and we were in the car with another friend who's who's going through it and she's like well Shani was like that too in the beginning and I'm like what She's like, yeah, she was so angry. Remember, you were like this and you were like that and you said this. And I went, oh, I did. <laughs> you know? I'm so zen now. I don't, I forgot. It's you hard know? to sometimes look back and remember that person. It's kind of were. scary, but. It's also easier to forget when you let go of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Then you're I didn't like... have anyone that had gone through the divorce to right. kind of guide me. I was the first. I had a girlfriend that said, you're just the first. You just, you just, you were too Save early. You should have waited a few years. Oh. Shani, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, you're, uh, we need to, her to tell us how people can get in touch I'm going with her. To, can I thank yeah. her first yes, just for yes, everything that yes. she's done and then give her the chance to make sure she yourself. doesn't forget. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, I just started podcasting yesterday, Craig. Did you know that? I'm sorry. Shani, anyway, um, seriously, this has been wonderful. You, uh, from your expertise in real estate and the perspectives on you know, what I thought was a really wonderful opportunity. Um, <laughs> may turn out to be very limited. Uh, and you're also perspective and personal wisdom and divorce. Thank you very much for sharing that so generously, so articulately. You're a fantastic guest. Uh, we would love for people to be able to get in touch with you. How can they get in touch with you on social media? <laughs> First of all, if you Google me, I'm there. No, um, I'm on Instagram. I just recently went back to my maiden name, Saban. It's it was uh, Gil before. Um, so I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. The kids are making me get a TikTok. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but like walk people through yeah. the homes that you sell and everything. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even know how to use TikTok. But um yeah, I'm on social media. Google me, my phone number is on there. Very cool. Unfortunately, it's a little creepy. You have a website? Yeah. I have the company website at yeah. at Equity Union, so it's uh they need to change it, but it's Shani Gill at Equity Union. Okay. That's where it is. But we're working on rebranding everything. Great. So excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shani. Thank you. I'm so glad Leroy can set this up. This is Yeah, wonderful. thank you. Thank you for guest. having me. You know, maybe we have more uh, real estate questions later on in the future. We'll I'll be back. In. Yeah. 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 And you know what? If anybody wants to email us or write us on uh, yeah. on social media, any kind of real estate questions for Shani, I'm sure that she'd be happy to jump in and answer them. Oh, I'd love it. But we'll next put time a post I'm out. wine. <laughs> yes, or, or change the uh, not change, but um, uh, or uh, um, what was um, what was moving like for you, right? If you have a story mm -hmm. about what it was like to sell your home or to move out of your home or transition to a new one and divorce, whatever happened to it, mm -hmm. right? If that you think could be as used to other people to hear, right, of benefit to them, please feel free to share that as well. I mean, it's a new it's a new uh, journey I'm going on with a whole divorce section of it. So hopefully, maybe next time I could come with stories. Absolutely. And that Absolutely. I collect. I think that would be a great We'll idea, do a part actually. two. Yeah. I think yeah, I like the idea of a part two. Like, I think that would be really lovely to talk about, like, real divorce communities that people are forming together. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, nice. Thank you. Thank you, Shani. Thank you, guys. If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at The Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at MyDivorceConcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at MyDivorceConcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is NoamRauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M. R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Noam Rauscher.